Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, I don't know if we have Hayward Evans on the line yet or not, uh, but we do have our first guest, who is uh, Gerald Hankerson, uh, who's been very busy the last few weeks, but he's busy all the time. But the fat past couple of weeks, there's been a lot of intense focus on the CL School District and the CL School Board to CL School Superintendent. So I would li- I'd like uh, to have President Gerald Hankerson Area Conference President, NAACP for uh, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska, to just give our listeners an update. A lot of them saw the press conference that was held on Tuesday in front of the school district headquarters, the Stanford Center. So uh, President Hankerson, go right ahead and give our listeners an update on where things are. Well, you know, uh, thank you, Eddie, for having me tonight. I appreciate the fact that giving this opportunity to give folks an update. As most of your listeners know that two days ago we stood in front of the John F. Stafford building uh, calling on the Seattle School District to terminate the contract of Superintendent Juno. And our reason for doing so is that I would classify that she's a racist and a sexist. Uh, part of the issue, the main part of the issue is the fact that over the last several years that she had been as, as in her tenure, she had purged all black males in leaderships from the Seattle School District who now went on to take other jobs. And so we want, and of course, we stood together with our NYC, our NWC Youth Council, uh, to talk about they've been trying to work with her for the last couple of years, and they all decided to resign because, in their words, they felt they've been tokenized. But for us, it's more about if we got a leadership that comes in a couple of years ago to take over the leadership of Seattle School District and they leave our kids behind, NWCP, we have a problem with that. So we felt that it's time that the board make a decision to cut ties with this person who don't share the same vision as we do as a community and to start anew. Can you uh, let our listeners know who some of the positions and some of the African-American males who are in leadership positions? I know for a fact of uh, being an alumni of Garfield, I've worked with Ted Howard, who was was the principal of Garfield for the last year and a half or better. Well, we've been off for eight months with the, with the, the pandemic, but uh, we worked for a year and a half planning the centennial, the 100th anniversary of Garfield, which was going to be this year, celebrated on uh, June 6th. Ted Howard was instrumentally involved in all that. You would think just out of common courtesy that he could have been left there or given a, a position uh, of, uh, of, because he was an outstanding leader in that school and in the district. But once again, he was overlooked. Who are the other African-American males that were uh, ran out of the district, so to speak. You know, uh, you know, you're right about that, Eddie. Ted Howe was iconic in our community because not only was he a prince at Garfield, but he also was a pillar in our community and to represent our old school that, you know, has to have one of the highest IEP programs. But ultimately, you think about Eric McCurdy, which was uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, you think, uh, you know, Brent, Dr. Brent Jones, who have been a part of the district for the last couple of decades and have helped us advance racial equity throughout the school district, who committed a career to education that now going to Metro. You uh, also see uh, Michael Tolley, uh, uh, Flip Herndon, uh, you know, all those folks. And how many you need to, in order to convince a person to let you know there's a total of seven of them that has been purged, but how many more do you need to verify the fact of, you know, this school district does not respect African-American men in leadership roles, and these are people who've dedicated their lives and careers to advancing racial equity to all, to all to be purged by the superintendent uh, that does not reflect the values of our community. What position do these black men hold in the, within the sales school district? Well, three of them were on her cabinet, which means they held the highest positions throughout the school district. Three of them was on our on our cabinet. Each of those was administrators. I can't know the title of them, but 
Uh, I know the athletic director, Department of Director athletic Human Resources, director, Brett yeah. Jones. Eric McCurdy was uh, athletic director. And then we had the chief academic officer and a couple of others. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know their titles other than the fact that I know they was on the cabinet of the superintendent, which means right. they're some of the top-level folks. That's uh, so how many African-American males are on our cabinet right now? Zero. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we had the press conference. The students are dissatisfied. But we also see that uh, I guess some people were out uh, gathering support for the, uh, Superintendent Juno because there was a long list of names I saw that uh, I think it was Cairo that showed uh, the list of names. But they also uh, had the names, and I put posted on my Facebook page, pictures of six of the seven uh, brothers you're referring to. Right, right. You know, and now I just want to say this and make it clear to our community, Eddie, that. You know, obviously that uh, superintendent, you know, and others in the district, we're not going to allow you to hide behind a couple of gatekeepers that you hired just to be able to keep our community up off your back. So I want to be clear about that. You're not going to tokenize folks in our community to pit us against each other. It should not be an either or. It's an and. And unfortunately, that, uh, you know, when you've seen their response from the Seattle School District, they give a high level of all of achievements without even being able to address the issues that we brought forth. And notwithstanding the fact that some of the things that they actually in that same commercial, they give her achievements, they're giving her credit for things that was here before her tenure. So it's just further example of how tone deaf the school district is on addressing the issues that we brought forth and thinking that we're just going to just shut up and go away because this lady knows what's best for our students. As our students said, and they couldn't have said it better themselves, that she have tokenized them and she have failed them as Young black men, young black children, and because of their failure to do so, that she no longer deserves the credit of being able to work with our black kids throughout Seattle School District. And I stand firm well, by that. Well, Rita Green, and there was also some information was shared at the press conference on Tuesday. Uh, I was totally unaware that the superintendent was under investigation uh, when she was the superintendent of public instruction in Montana. She was under investigation for the department for the Department of Justice filed by some Native American tribes and later on in the program uh, after Rita Green and Sabrina Burr and Clyde Merriweather comes on, uh, a Native American brother who is, an, he owns an art gallery, he's an artist and an activist, Robert Upham, uh, is looking at this now and I guess he's doing some research, but it's appalling uh, what's not only what's happening to, to the African Americans in the district, but also the Native Americans uh, to actually just put them out of their building I mean, some Absolutely of the stuff is just right. doesn't even seem very inhumane. Absolutely right. And the UNA stand, the Native American community stands with us on this issue because, as you indicated, Eddie, that uh, when they selected Ms. Juno to come here as superintendent of Seattle Public Schools, she was under two current investigations of the DOJ for uh, discrimination when it comes to Native children. As you know, being that she's Native themselves is even more appalling. Uh, but the big issue for us that either Seattle School District, you didn't do your due diligence when you considered the people you was hiring, because had you done your due diligence, you would have realized that she was already current under investigation for racial discrimination in her district. Why did we want to bring that here in our district? And obviously, we see the result of that today. That's why we're saying it's time for Seattle School District to cut their ties with Superintendent Juno, and she no longer get to serve that our black and brown kids in Seattle Public Schools. But at this juncture, it seems to me. Uh, the Seattle School Board, when they hired her, they knew about, uh, obviously, had they, they did due diligence. There was a black man who was one of the top three from uh, Colorado, and they wouldn't hire him because they said he was associated with a business group. And here this woman is being investigated by the Department of Justice 
for discriminating against her own people, but maybe the school board brought her back here to fire all the black men. Right. And this is indicative of Seattle. This is indicative of Seattle politics, too. You know, you know, when we call it liberalism, it's like, you know, we have been advocating for the same issues for the last 25 years. And we're thinking we're making progress. And rather than having the courage to stand up and admit who they really are, we result into seeing things like this. When we see a purge of all African-American men throughout Seattle School District and leadership roles, it sends a signal to our community, especially when you claim that you're uh, highlighting your strategic plans is building African-American leadership. But when our young black boys and girls, I mean, black boys look up and don't see black men in leadership roles, what does it indicate? And that's not the vision that we share in our community. And we damn sure ain't going to allow no school superintendent to impose that vision upon us as black leaders throughout Seattle, Seattle. Well, I'm just I'm wondering if all those organizations that uh, signed on to support Juno, they got their name all up and down the television screen these days. Uh, are they supporting the fact that uh, there's ethnic cleansing of black males in leadership positions at the Seattle School District? Is that what they're supporting? Because uh, I really I'm think they have to answer some that... questions, President Hankerson. Also, I think there has to be a serious conversation between the black community and the Seattle School Board. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all need to have one voice. I hate to think that these black organizations are supportive of this idealism or this ideology by Superintendent Juno. I'm hoping that they was unaware of what the actual actions when they decided to give her support. I will be willing to risk asking them whether they support her now. I'm hoping that it's not the case. But in any event, whether that's where they are or not, this is where the NWSB stands. We, we stand on the front line to say we're not going to accept this. And we're not going to accept the, that the fact that you go out and get a bunch of gatekeepers to sign on and to support you in spite of losing so much leverage we've had in our community, you know, in the school district, black men and black women, quite frankly. So well, President Hankerson, you, you, Black Lives Matter, you would think that we shouldn't be dealing with this crap right now, but that's the reality of what we're dealing with in Seattle. President Hankerson, you're more gracious than me, but how could anybody working closely with the school district see the eradication of black men in leadership positions, not be concerned and not even to say anything? And it's appalling that black organizations watched this happen and didn't say anything to the black community, and you're supposed to be serving the black community? Yeah, as the young woman said from the NYC, man, just because you're my color don't make you my kind. Well, Gerald, uh, thank you very much, man. We certainly appreciate the work you're doing. And I tell everybody that called me about the uh, problem about discrimination. The first thing I ask them, are you a member of the NAACP? Right on, bro. If appreciate you're not, it, if you're not a member of the NAACP, you need to go ahead and go online and drop the thirty dollars. You got somebody to work for you. So all I can say is, uh, uh, when they call me, I'm gonna ask the first question I ask, and I'll tell you what. And if you if you that bad on a campaign, I will pay it for you because everybody needs <laughs> justice. So uh, thank no, you very much, President Hexton. We sure appreciate all the work you're doing. And uh, Urban Forum Northwest is here for a platform for you anytime you need it, my brother. So thank keep up the thank good work. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate it. All right, Eddie. All right. Good day. Be safe. So, all right. So we have uh, Rita Green, the, the education chair for the Washington State uh, NAACP, and Sabrina Burr who is an official with the uh, PTSA on the line. So why don't we start with you, uh, Rita Green? You've been doing an outstanding job in keeping track of things and keeping, the, especially working with those young people. I was so proud to hear them on uh, Tuesday at the press conference. So why don't you give our listeners an update on what's happening right now? Oh, hi. This is Rita Green with the NAACP State Education Chair, and I am with Sabrina Burr. And we are here just to give some information on 
the issues with Juno and why she needs to be terminated. Um, there was a letter that I sent back in July detailing about 22 items that she has said and reasons why she needs to go. But the biggest of them all is that she's taking credit for things that she has not done. She does not have relationships and refuses to build relationships with um, blacks in our community, in the district. She lacks vision and she has no leadership. Sabrina? Yeah, my name is Sabrina Burr. I'm a community advocate and a mother of a Seattle school parent. I sometimes wear a hat at Seattle Council PTA, and I want to make sure that community knows that that's not the hat I'm wearing um, today. Um, I have uh, advocated with Seattle Public Schools for the last 15 years um, at all levels. I have worked with five superintendents, and by far, Denise Juno is the absolute worst that works in silos and does not collaborate with community and often um, does not have the answers and spins untruth um, to what's actually going on in the district. And uh, in terms of uh, where things are right now, uh, what, are the, what are the next, what, what can the PTSA, or, are you speaking as an individual or as an organization? I'm as a community advocate and a mother of a Seattle Public School student today. Oh, I got you. Okay. I just want to get that clarification from my listeners. Yeah. So, uh, Rita, in terms of the NAACP's actions, now, you guys, there's uh, the, the press conference, the students spoke out. What is the next step? There's a school board, there was a school board meeting yesterday, and apparently it was supposed to be on 2020, Channel 26, but for some strange reason, there were technical difficulties, and the, uh, the board meeting wasn't broadcast, or unless, I, unless it was on another channel that I was unaware of. Did you uh, hear the board meeting yesterday? I did, and I recommend for all of you listeners to go and listen to the first part of the board meeting, the superintendent's comments, and how she was trying to get into the lane of our school board. If you hear yes. those comments, you will understand and listen to the public testimony as well. Correct. And so the board will be voting on whether to keep her, extend her on December 16th. So we are encouraging families to send letters to the board demanding that she be terminated. Um, in the presentation last night, you will see that the complaints, ethics complaints are up and the 55% of them are being sent anonymously from staff. So that lets you know that people within the district are afraid of retaliation. And uh, you say that their, their vote on December 16th. Now, her con she, her contract goes through uh, June. Is that correct? And the NAACP is calling for immediate termination, not waiting for the end of the contract. That's correct. And the students as well. Um, yes. Right now, what is going on in Seattle Public Schools it's not healthy for our families. The amount of racism and sexism that our students are, are facing, you can hear um, even in public testimony yesterday. Um, what our students are going through right now is not acceptable. It's not good for their mental health or their physical health under her leadership. And we need right now in this double pandemic to make sure 
that the needs of our community, but mostly the needs of our children, 53,000 children, are taken care of. And she is not the leader. I called this six months in, and she just does not have the skills for the job. And so she promotes more people. We have John Stanford right now that is more top-heavy when we really need things in the building and direct services and support to families. We're not getting those in the way that we need. Okay, and the thing I want to uh, let you know is... uh... Uh, I'm still concerned about the fact that, you know, uh, the, I know that Gerald Hankerson and other folks have uh, sought information to get a response from the board. I want to ask Rita Green, have you got a response to any of the correspondence you sent to the uh, CL school board members? I, I, could, I couldn't understand that question. No, I was, I was asking if you got a response from any of the correspondents and concerns that you share with the school board members. Have any of the board members contacted you at the NAACP to discuss your, the issues? Um, I have not been contacted since the press conference. I have been speaking to the board since July when I had originally sent my um, letter um, asking that they not extend her contract. So I was in contact with a lot of board members at that time. Since the press conference, I have not been in contact with board members. Okay. So, uh, uh, Sabrina, have you had any, any conversations with any of the board members about any of the concerns of the students that you've expressed today? Um, yes, I've had some conversations with the board members, especially, you know, after the youth, um, you know, around the youth voice. I mean, the youth are the ones who are calling for this far more than the adults because they're the ones who are living the experience. Very, very true. And so they're fully aware of, of what the community um, is going through, and I think they're fully aware of the opposing side of the people who think it's acceptable to speak somebody who's not qualified and is not serving our kids, families, and communities to the ability that we need and deserve. But, but, and, and one comment that I will make, uh, the folks that are supporting her, these are people that have individual personal gains that they are after and they are not putting the children first and i am for the children that comes first and foremost before any adult issue and so i don't care if somebody's program is in a school and so they're happy because their program is there because we have fifty-three thousand students that we are fighting for well i tell you what i really appreciate appreciate the work that both of you are doing Okay. Well, you know, I, uh, we want to keep both of you guys on here, but our time is up for the day, and I appreciate the work you're doing, and we'll keep the community apprised of what the, uh, of uh, any progress that's being made or any actions that need to be taken. So, Rita Green and Sabrina Bird, thank you very much for laboring in the vineyards and representing the young people. We really appreciate it. Thank you, and thank, thank you for all you. Thank you. All right. Okay. Before we go to... Uh, 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 go to this break, and I can give Eric the right number for Clyde Merriweather, who's supposed to be calling in. I want to let everybody know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to us by Sound Trance's uh, 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 Business and Labor Compliance Office, the Port of Seattle's Minority, uh, Minor- uh, Minority Contracting Office, the City of Seattle's Purchase and Construction Service Office, Con- uh, Concourse Concessions uh, out at SeaTac, along with SeaTac Bar Group, LLC, 
and uh, Stephanie Ogle does our, our media. And uh, if we don't have Clyde on there, why don't we take a break? Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ryan back at Urban Forum Northwest. With my next guest is uh, Clyde Merriweather. He has penned uh, three op-ed pieces in the Seattle Medium newspaper, highlighting uh, the discrepancies in the Seattle School District, in the board and the superintendent, and others there. So uh, Clyde Merriweather was also one of the speakers at the press conference in front of the Sanford Center on Tuesday. So Clyde Merriweather, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest once again, and update our listeners on where things stand with uh, the school district from your point of view? Well, uh, first of all, uh, nice to be back on the show. Um, I have a few points to turn around to cover. First of all, I have no idea. I didn't make the board meeting last night, so I'm not sure where they're going. But I'm just trying to stay on point for me, and that was uh, related to uh, African-American males in uh, administrative positions. I, I note that the school district came out with its supporting statement for uh, for Juno, and it was extolling the virtues of, well, they've got this new program for hiring more minorities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But once again, it's always hiring minorities at some lower position. I'm still stuck with my seven gentlemen that have been uh, displaced, who used to be administrators that no longer exist. Uh, other than that, man, I'm just trying to uh, personally tiptoe around um, other agendas and, and, and egos and the rest of that and try to stay on point for uh, dealing with the subject, and, and, and whereas I am talking about uh, administrative positions, I, I once again just have to say that it's something that's permeated all the way down through the custodial department. So uh, I'm just spending more time collecting debt and having a hard-as-heck time trying to get any substantive information out of the human resource department of the school. You know, I, I know there's 104 schools, and I know there's 21 black principals, but I 
I can't seem to get any information on who they are, where they are, what they're doing, and, and that kind of stuff. So I'm just in uh, find out what the problem is mode still. And uh, the three pieces that you did in the, in the Seattle Medium, can you just summarize uh, uh, those three one by one? <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, well, that's, that's difficult. Okay, the first one was on, on the uh, seven displaced administrators. That, that was specific. My second one... I think was on uh, custodial department and the fact that uh, out of all those minorities working in, in, in that department, there are no uh, supervisors on any level. And, 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 and I've got 30-year employees who have been competent and have submitted up to 10 applications to move forward and can't seem to uh, get any traction and in, in many respects can't even get an interview. Uh, and then I think uh, the third one, or could have been the second one, was on the cronyism, nepotism, the games that are played within the school district for they already know what they're going to do, and then pretending to address uh, minorities in terms of inclusion, but then they just go right back to the person that they've already turned around and chosen. Um, and then I'm sitting on one, on, on our principal from Leshy that was displaced from being the principal during the COVID time, uh, but then apparently the more I've tracked it down, they already have an Asian gentleman that was already designated for they were going to put him in that position. So they end up, after she complains, giving her a position, sort of like a principal at large. It's like you don't have a school, but you get to keep your salary. Bottom line is um, we can only aspire to be what it is that we see. Um, I was very pleased with um, what the NAACP had to say at the press conference. I did make the statement there that I was not there as a member of the NAACP. I want to clarify that. I've been a life member of the NAACP since the mid-60s with my father. So it's like... I know that. <laughs> but, but I did want the, the, the press to understand that it wasn't just the NAACP that was having this problem. So I came as an independent because I was speaking independently. I understand. I, I know... Uh... Ray Merriweather would have been taking the same positions. Yeah, well, you know, we're still here, man. I still got the problem, and I've still got the kids. I was very impressed. Well, with somebody got to tell Eric McCurdy I'm on the radio. He's just calling me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and then I'll see. It was Eric McCurdy's situation that got me involved in the first place. It's like I hadn't really tapped into um, what the school district was or was not until he came down to the Esquire Club and made a presentation that he was getting jacked around and then and so I got there and started participating in the um in the um board meetings and, and, and then tried to make contact. I sent a letter to Juno and to the board of directors itself, uh trying to get some input and the only person that responded to me was the one black board member that was uh, Brandon Hersey. And uh he's he's a new kid on the block and he was just trying to get his water wing straight in terms of what was going on. Uh, but I, I'll say this. I've got about 15 different people that, that I'm dealing with now that are inside the school district itself that, that have given me information but don't want their names out there. So I'm somewhat hand, handcuffed. I'm, I'm waiting for the people to stand up and say, okay, count me in. Uh, I'm hoping that the NAACP will, will get together with those people that are in the individual departments themselves and put them on, on, on the docket for, for expressing what the problems are within their own divisions. Uh, you know, this this can't be a, and we took care of you issue for me. This has got to be, and we take care of ourselves issue. And uh, from what, what is the next steps from your uh, perspective, your your vantage point? What, what do you plan on doing as an independent? 
Well, as an independent man, I'm I'm still just writing uh, op-eds and trying to tell stories of uh, the experiences of people in the school district itself. Like I said, my problem is they don't want to be called out. They still have their jobs. They would like to keep their jobs. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, here's my issue, but but don't use my name. And, and so <laughs> uh, all I can do at this point in time from my perspective is try to keep the iron hot, keep the subject on the table and support where I can while I continue to track down additional information. So well, I'm, I'm just, and I'm encouraging folks that call me about discrimination to uh, go and uh, and pay your thirty dollars and join the NAACP. Now, there are some things that we have to do to help ourselves, and that's the easiest way, right there. When you're looking for justice and you're fighting the gorilla, and uh, you got a toothpick and they got a two by four, you need to <laughs> you need to balance some things out. So. I encourage yeah, but, you people. Know, I'm, I'm the firm belief that we got more than a toothpick. We just haven't been able to consolidate the toothpick into the law that it should be. We there you go. There you go. We are part of the system. We should be served by this. We should have been included in, 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 in COVID conversations and how you're going to operate and how you're going to service the minority community, not, not be told, well, this is what we're going to do for you. At some point in time, we are capable of taking care of our own destiny. You don't have to keep doing it for us. If we're Absolutely. part of the system, then we take care of ourselves. That's exactly how it should be. And that's called self-determination, which there has been is. a battle cry for a long time. And uh, we yeah. need to have our share of our resources to make sure that gets done. Well, Clyde, I want to thank you very much, man. Stay on the case. And uh, you have a platform here. You do your next op-ed piece. We want to hear about it right here on Urban Forum Northwest. My pleasure, my friend. My, my pleasure. All right. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Take care. Okay, uh, my next guest is uh, Robert Upham, uh, who is a supporter of Urban Native Education Alliance. He's a gallery owner, he's an artist, he's also an activist, and he also has been involved with the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee and the Organizing Committee. So Robert is everywhere and uh, did a huge uh, mor- mural of uh, George Floyd down in Olympia. It look- must have been 60 feet long. Robert, are you there? Robert is not there. Robert, unmute yourself. Can you hear me? Okay, I can now. Go right ahead. All right. I was just talking. I was just giving you uh, giving your introduction. I also mentioned that big mural you did, but today we're talking about UNEA and uh, uh, about uh, the situation at the Seattle School District. So, uh, sure. just from your perspective, you know, we've had Sarah since Wilson on a couple of times, and we know about the issues with UNEA. Just want to have you elaborate on that. And also, uh, you are aware of what's happening in Montana. If you could talk about the Department of Justice as well, whatever you know about it. So go right ahead, sir. Okay. Um, I was born in Montana, first of all. I'm American Indian and rolled Dakota Sioux. I mean, I'm also a Salish and Grovant and Assiniboine. <clears throat> I also participate in the school system in Seattle when I was a child until we moved back to the reservation in third grade. Uh, and then I finished up my education over there. And I also worked in in uh, Montana under uh, the TRIO program, Montana Educational Talent Search, and when Denise Juno was, was in the job over there. Um, I would like to read something that I prepared so I don't go random with my thoughts, and I want to make use of this time. so. Mm-hmm. Go right ahead. Read, read what I wrote. Um, 
when a person thinks about education, we would hope that this would be in consideration of the diversity of values. The value of power and money should not trump the value of ethics and morality. A Harvard education does not guarantee a loyalty to racial equity and opportunity, nor does it guarantee decisions based on social and environmental values. Denise Juno has the advantage of a Harvard degree, but so does one of the black men who has been terminated from his job. This man, Lester Herndon, holds a Master of Education degree from Harvard University and a doctorate in education from the University of Washington. <clears throat> the education system in our country is based on the principle of profit profitability at all costs. This value, unfortunately for the children who are affected by it, is mostly hidden, but it is hardwired into the laws and land use-based funding sources, which are the foundation of the structure. Two sections out of every township were set aside to fund public education for the settlers who were allowed to take the land as if it belonged to them. As we all know, property ownership was limited to white men, not black men, or the Indian. This, the legal mandate for the school lands, is for those pieces of land to be profitable first at all costs. Most of us don't know this. It is not taught in the school, but when we encounter a decision maker who has brought who has brought into this principle, their motives will become clear sooner or later if this decision maker is put into their position to fulfill a diversity mandate, whether this person is American Indian or black American, we would hope they adhere to the highest ethical values. Denise Juno has a history of making decisions regarding education without regard to the social costs of her decisions, or perhaps with an understanding and willingness to adhere to the principle of profitability at all costs. This seriously goes back to her incumbency as the Office of Public Instruction Superintendent in Montana, which placed her on the land board, which makes many decisions about public funding through our land use. And this land board has the governor, the, uh, it has some only four. There's only five people on that on that board on the la on that land board, and the, so it's very important what her what her position ab abided her. Um, so this history goes back to her incumbency as the Office of Public Instruction in Montana. I'll say once again, which has placed her on the land board, which makes many decisions about public funding through land use. One of Montana's greatest advocates for justice was a Blackfeet woman named Eloise Cabell. She sued the United States government and won the largest civil legal case in the United States history. She felt a fair settlement for the misuse of Indian land by the United States government would have been close to $40 billion, but the case was settled for $3 billion. Still, she made a decision that benefited all tribes and not just a few. If Denise Juno is flying the flag of being an advocate for people of color and the LGBTQ communities, she must think about social justice more than economic gain. There have been large corporations from timber, coal, and other extractive energy industries who have benefited from positions of power within the education system. Decisions made by Denise Juno on the Land Trust Board in Montana directly benefited her tribe, where the Bakken oil fields are. 
This land is owned by the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Rikurat tribes, of which, of which Denise Juno is a member. One of the ways to evaluate Denise Juno's history while governing the Seattle Public Schools could be to borrow from the field of ethical investing and the term ESG. Because schools are, by their nature, a way of a way of investing in our collective futures. It needs to be stated in this time of national a national call for Black Lives Matter that the leadership roles gained in Seattle Public Schools by black men need to be cherished. With the firing of six black men in significant leadership roles, I don't think Denise Juno cherishes these gains. In the field of evaluating financial responsibility, there's a set of criteria used by those who seek to engage in ethical investing. The athleticism and physical excellence of black men has been used by the higher education system to generate billions of dollars in the United States. This is evident in the fact that the highest-paid state employee is often the football coach of the state's major universities. The University of Washington head football coach, Chris Peterson, currently makes $4.8 million a year. The expression of ESG, environmental, social, and governance, should take into consideration the contribution of black men to the economy of the major universities in this country. The position of Eric McCurdy as the athletic director for Seattle Public Schools is significant being that he is a black man and he might advocate on behalf of black athletes who have been historically used by institutions of higher education. Environmental criteria consider how a company performs as a steward of nature and the environment and our, you know, our communities. Social criteria examine how it engages in relationships with employees, suppliers, customers, and the communities where it operates. Governance deals with a company's internal leadership, who is prom- who is promoted and why, where the decision-making lies. Of these three factors, the one that is most often overlooked by benefiting entities, which would include school boards, is social. The mission often leads to decisions being made without proper consultation process. Juno's record in relation to community costs can be looked at from this perspective. Unacceptably high community costs generally incur, occur in response to and after a breakdown in consultation, negotiation, and dialogue between high-level stakeholders such as governments, organizations, such as the NAACP, as evidence in her refusal to speak with them at the table, and especially local community members, parents, and other citizens who were not listened to by her. She just put out a statement in the news that I've seen. She just put out a statement. She didn't talk to anybody directly. These are often those with the fewest resources who may receive the fewest long-term benefits from the decision-making process. The fact she didn't have a personal conversation with the NAACP shows a disrespect for the position of this major advocate for people of color. Myself being an American Indian who is Salish in Dakota Sioux and also a benefactor of the work of a black man named Martin Luther King Jr. consider her actions not representative of our American Indian people. We are seeking the results of this. We are seeing the results of this in our schools as the value of graduation statistics and test scores shoves aside 
and treats us, excuse me, as less than other criteria for learning, such as a deeply held cultural connection represented by a long-term successful organization such as Urban Native Education Alliance and its Clear Sky program. Excuse me. The UNEA is a small nonprofit that aims to empower Native youth and Native community through culturally relevant education and activities that center for the Native experience. This is critical to Native youth who do not see this experience. But anyway, I'll talk a little bit about UNEA. Do you have any questions for me? No, uh, but we're out of time now, Robert. I appreciate that, uh, what you contributed today. And I'll have uh, you and Sarah and any other uh, members of UNEA on back, uh, back on. But we got to let our listeners know that the superintendent displaced this Urban Native Education Alliance out of their facility, had them homeless. So uh, I just need that people need to know that. So hopefully I know that uh, Sarah Sense Wilson and representatives of UNEA also submitted a letter of concerns to the board uh, yesterday. And I'm still waiting to see when the board members are going to be uh, stand up enough to meet with the people who are affected by these decisions that are being made. So Robert Upham, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time and all the work you do in the community. All right, take care. Okay. Uh, our next guest is Chikundi Salisbury, who is a candidate for the 37th Legislative District, and I think it is uh, position two. Uh, Chikundi Salisbury, uh, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. I think I gave you a little outline, I'd like to take a couple of minutes and just uh, let people know who you are, although I know who you are. Let our listeners <laughs> know who you are, and then, you know, we want to talk about Black Lives Matter, affirmative action, and reparations, and uh, some of your plans that you have uh, uh, that you will be implementing and proposing as a state representative. So go right ahead, sir. Hey, well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on the show today. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm like most of the listeners on this call. You know, I'm looking for great schools and high-quality jobs and clean air, efficient transportation, you know, basically government that works for us. Uh, you know, for years I've worked in our community alongside people like yourself, Mr. Ra. Um, and, you know, like most people that are probably listening to this show, I've seen, you know, our community be displaced by from gentrification and policies that really just don't work. Um, and at the end of the day, we, we all subscribe to these progressive values that, that seem good, but uh, clearly, you know, the impact is not meeting the intent. So uh, for the listeners that don't know me, again, my name is Shikundi Salisbury. Um, I'm a, uh, an activist. I've, I've been a union member. I'm a 23-year uh, City of Seattle employee. Um, you know, and I've been organizing and developing programs in this community uh, for 30 years. Um, you know, I, I work with my mother, from, with Reverend uh, Harriet Walden, with Mothers for Police Accountability, um, I founded great programs like the Youth Green Corps at Seattle Parks. That is basically the model for the New Green Deal, um, you know. And then I, I've just been a community volunteer. I, I used to be the board chair over at Southeast Youth and Family Services. I'm a member of the Esquire Club. I'm a member of the Tabor 100. I'm on the board of the YMCA. I'm on the board of Real Change. Um, you know, among other things, I'm a small business owner. I own a company called C-Spot Media Group. I used to own the Twilight Martini Nightclub downtown. And uh, I used to own a barbershop on MLK called Metropolitan Barbershop. So, uh, you know, I'm just a well-rounded person, but clearly I'm not a politician. I'm just a person 
uh, that feels as though uh, we need a new voice for the new normal. And I'm happy to hop on the show with you all today and talk about that. Tony, why don't you uh, uh, give uh, our listeners a little idea specifically uh, in terms of any legislation or proposals you have in what areas that they would improve the quality of life for people in the 37th District in the state of Washington? You know, first off, I want to, day one legislation is things that protect our community, like ending uh, uh, no-knock warrants. That's something that we most certainly could do on, uh, on first day. Also, I want to work on uh, um, making sure that we have uh, uh, good police accountability. Ending, uh, there's a whole list of, uh, of policies around uh, police accountability, like uh, first of all, ending qualified immunity, removing, um, you know, the, some of those issues from the uh, collective bargaining agreement. And, uh, you know, so those are some of the things around police accountability that I'm most certainly ready to work on from day one. Uh, the other piece that I'm really interested in working on for our particular community uh, is bringing back cannabis dollars to our community. I think that uh, the net revenue, the net revenue from uh, cannabis stores out of the 37th district should most certainly come back. And that should really come back uh, primarily to the black community because we are the ones that have been harmed, um, you know, more deeply over the years um, and been affected by that. So, you know, those are just a couple of things that we have the power to do. There's no reason that uh, our cannabis revenue from our district should go, you know, across the state into this black hole. Um, you know, so those are just a couple of the things that I'm very interested in working on. Obviously, I think I was on your show before talking about bringing resources to the uh, Reverend McKinney Center. And I'm interested in, in making sure that resources flow to our district for youth employment. And you are a board member right now. Yes, sir, You're on I the am board of the Central Mr. District Community the... Preservation Development Authority. Yes, sir, I am, and very proud of that. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm really looking forward to uh, bringing in opportunities so our uh, young people and even adults who are looking to change careers can get trained up in a world-class facility. So, um, you know, those are just a few of the things I want to work on. But, you know, my and then, of course, you know, gun violence uh, prevention in our community. I want to work on gun tracing. I was talking to folks the other day about the fact that, uh, you know, while bum stocks and the like are very important on a national level, many of the murders in our community are not coming from guns that were bought, you know, in this community. How are those guns getting into our community? We need to trace those guns back and hold folks responsible uh, for that. Uh, so, yeah, there's just a lot of things I think that are, are really important to our community. But overall, what I would say, uh, Eddie, is that I want to make sure that the impact of of the progressive policies of uh you know of our great uh city and district here and the majority of folks here uh meet the intent because oftentimes you know our community is uh is not it's not matching up for black people uh it's not matching up for people that look like me and also you know other you know black and brown folks across the district whether we're talking about homelessness we're talking about uh education we're talking about the wealth gap we're talking uh, about, you know, a variety of things where 
uh, it all sounds good. However, uh, you know, black and brown businesses and individuals get left out. A great example of that is I was talking to the transportation folks the other day, and everybody's excited about light rail and other areas. However, I had to remind people about how light rail, the promise of light rail was uh, was not fulfilled to, to black and brown folks in Rainier Valley. You know, the, our, our, many of the businesses that were washed away when the light rail came in, we, we have yet to see that financial boom you know, that windfall of all the business that was going to come up and down MLK as a result of light rail, right? Um, you know, all of those empty parcels are still there. The businesses that were washed away are gone and have not returned. It's been 12 years. But the right? sad thing is, is they have started the building and they're not renewing leases for some of those smaller stores. So there's some plans to have the condos along light rail, and they're not talking about affordable housing either, sir. Well, exactly, and that's that's exactly what I'm talking about, uh, 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 Eddie. Is that the fact is is that all of these things sound good on paper, the plans look amazing, right? They talk about you know these different things, but but at the end of the day, our community again, I'm specifically talking about Black people, um, continue to take the ill, the loss, if you will, uh, on the back end, right? And so you know, that's really the main reason I'm running. Is that I'm just a person from the neighborhood. Is folks that may or may not know me. Like I said, I've worked in the community for years. I've had a great career at the Parks Department. I am completely not a career politician, but I just saw this opportunity with Eric Pettigrew retiring for a person that's really from this community to be able to go down there and use our voice and hold folks accountable around uh, things that pertain to us. Right? We already saw. Uh, with House Bill 1918, how, um, you know, there was a plan to get us out of here. And so we have yeah. to use that document to leverage for, you know, equity and inclusion on everything moving forward. We we have and, the documentation of, of us, of a plan to remove us. And now we need to stop it before that entire plan is fulfilled. You mentioned House Bill 1918. I want to let our listeners know. That's legislation that was sponsored by Sharon Tomiko Santos. She was the sole, sole sponsor, and and uh, the bill passed the House and the Senate without any opposition from Olympia. So I just want to make sure anytime that's mentioned, it'll also be known as the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. It's gone full circle. That building was originally erected to house the Seattle Opportunities Industrialization Center, SOIC, it was one of the great society programs aimed at uplifting African descendants of the United States enslaved. That's who it was intended for. And now Representative Santos is making sure that uh, black folks are still being served properly and not completely displaced out the central area. So, Chikundi, uh, there, is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners before we close out? Well, yeah, I just encourage people to check me out on social media. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a well-rounded candidate. Again, I'm not a politician. Check out my website, www.shikundi.com. Um, and I just want folks to know that it's really, we're not going back. I feel like you know it, I know it. Uh, everybody that's listening right, knows right now that what we had before, whether whether it's Build Back Better or Make America Great Again, it was never better or great for us. And we have to draw a line in the sand right now. Okay. Right? That's what all it right, is. Sir. Thank you. Okay. Thanks very much, Kundi. I appreciate you. Thank you for all, all right, your hard now. work, too, in the community. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay, Eric, I think we have time for a break before we close out. 
Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. I give a shout out to our sponsor, Sound Transit's Labor and Civil Rights Office, City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, Concourse Concessions, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, and Stephanie Ogle, Soul Sys Media does our technology. So uh, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us again next Thursday. Hey, whatever's daddy Ryan. It's been another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. Music.